2 Corinthians 5, for we must all appear. The, the Greek word there is phanerothenai. You know what phanerothenai means? It means to be made manifest, literally. So here's this throne, and each one of us, one by one, get to walk down and stand right in front of the throne. And there's this river of fire going by. And it says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That each one, that's an interesting word, heskaton means one by one. Do you know what? We love crowds. And if you're unsure of yourself, you move behind other people. You know, especially if you don't want your picture taken, you get behind them, you get blocked. Back to verse 10. Heskaton, each one of us must receive the things done in our body according to what we has done, whether what does your Bible say? Anybody in 510? What does it say? What are the last two words? Whether what or what? Good or what? Who's standing in front of the throne? Believers. You mean, what's the bad part? I thought all my sins were forever gone. What does this mean? That I'm going to stand and give an account of what I did with my body whether it was good or bad. Well, there are two words for bad. One is K-A-K-O-S, kakos, which is bad like evil. The other word is fascinating. It's the Greek word faulon, P-H-A-U-L-O-N in English. Do you know what faulon means? It's translated outside the Bible as mist, swirl, or good-for-nothingness. Have you ever walked down the street when the wind's blowing and the dust and maybe a couple leaves and maybe something just for a second makes a tornadic swirl, kind of like a little tornado? And you just see for a second little bits of leaf and dust, and then it's gone. Or, you ever go fishing? I love to go fishing. Early in the morning, and you're out there in the dark, and all of a sudden the sunlight the sun rises and the first rays of light touch the surface of the lake and for a moment there is steam and mist and it starts swirling. I love watching that. At Scroon Lake, I always, where, the, where they have the professors, I always go out by the lake and watch the sunrise and watch the, the swirl. Now, what does that have to do with anything? Well, there's only two choices on the shelf. Pleasing God, that's good. Pleasing self, that's good for nothing. Each of us get a shopping cart. And you get to throw in your shopping cart whatever you want all the way through life. And someday you're going to push your little shopping cart up to the river of fire. And you're going to dump into it your whole life. Now, praise the Lord. You know what's not going to be in the shopping cart? What we're going to see in the next lesson is what redemption and justification does. No sin. There's no record that I've ever sinned. God has no record of my sins. He has made Jesus Christ guilty for all my sins. Do you understand that's what the gospel is? God treated Jesus Christ like he committed all of my sins. He put the penalty on Christ, but not just the penalty, the record. That's 2 Corinthians 5.21. That's probably the greatest verse in the whole Bible. If you haven't memorized verses, you ought to learn 2 Corinthians 5.21. You know what it says? For he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin for us, 
that we might become the righteousness of God in him. All of my sin was transferred to Christ. God punished Jesus like he committed it. You know, it's fun to share the gospel and tell people that. Uh, there was this uh, homeless man um, where I was pastoring most recently. He lived under the bridge, um, had a shopping cart, you know, all the stuff, they pushed it around. He came to our church, parked his cart, came in, said, I'd like some money. We said, do you drink? He said, I drink. I said, will you spend the money on drink? He said, I'll spend the money on drink. I said, we'll give you food, and can we talk to you? He said, sure, I have nothing else to do. And so there were more than one, so I took one, and my friend took the other, and, and uh, my fellow pastor told me that he shared the gospel of justification, that God treated Jesus like he committed every one of our sins. And this man was, he was homeless, but he was very, very intelligent. He said, wait a minute, I don't believe that. He said, I'm a boozer, that's what he called himself. By the way, if you know anything about football, he looked like Refrigerator Perry, if you remember that amazing, huge uh, tackler in football. I mean, this guy was massive. And he said, I'm a boozer. And he said, yep, if you come to Christ, God will punish Jesus like he was a boozer. The man said, no. He said, well, it's worse. He said, I'm a womanizer. He said, I'm really bad. And Dave said to him, the gospel says that if Jesus Christ, if you will call on him and he becomes your savior, that God will punish him like he was a boozer and a womanizer. The man said, I want it. That was really interesting. He understood the substitutionary atonement of Christ. And he dropped to his knees, called in the name of the Lord, started attending our church, which was uncomfortable for a lot of people. Do you like to sit next to someone that sleeps under the bridge and they smell like it? But he ended up getting clothes from our clothes closet, got a place to stay, started taking showers, got a job. And you know how I knew he was there every week? Every week in the offering would come a piece of paper, like a torn grocery bag, brown, and it would have like $14.19 in it. Do you know what that meant? He earned $141.90. He was a meticulous tither, and he would always drop his little wadded up thing in the plate, and you knew that he had been in the service. A few weeks later, he said, I want to be baptized. And when we baptize people at, at all the churches I've served, they stand in front in the baptistry with a microphone and they share their testimony of how they got saved so that everybody in the church can rejoice in the work of salvation. He got up there and he was so big and towering over me and he took the microphone so it would reach his face and he says, he says, God treated Jesus like he was a boozer. Oh man, the people all went, you know, they'd never heard anything like that. And he said, that's not all. He treated him like he's a womanizer. Because that's what I was. And I want to be baptized. Because Jesus saved me. And he turned around and I baptized him. Did you know, he's going to stand in front of Jesus Christ. And all of his sins, there's no record of them. But from the instant of our salvation on, everything we do goes in the cart. No sins get in the cart. They're already forgiven. But watching a football game for five hours or playing video games or every time you have one second on your phone, instead of memorizing a verse, you play some 
you know, unsaved person's sensual song, wishing that you had some kind of relationship like that, all that stuff will burn up in front of Jesus Christ. See, we only have one precious life. And it's going by at 60 minutes an hour, and we can redeem time that will last forever. We put it in our cart, we dump it into the river of fire, it burns. Where do I get that from? 1 Corinthians 3.15. It's all going to pass through the fire. And there's a convenient river right in front of the throne where we stand to give an account. But what's really neat is anything that survives a fire, in other words, everything that we did for Jesus Christ that lasts forever, that doesn't burn up, Jesus Christ takes and hands to us and says, this is your reward. This is how much of your life you lived in the power of the Spirit for my glory. Not for yourself, but to please me. And that's what I believe that the 24 elders, these crowns, the crown actually means the, the distillation of, of their life. Their, there are five crowns mentioned in the Bible. One is for disciplining yourself, another is for soul winning, another one is for loving Christ, another one is for looking for him, another one is for serving his church. We all can win. We can all redeem. We can all get rewarded. But it all is in this setting that we're looking at of Romans 14, 10, and 12, and 2 Corinthians 5, 10. And we're each going to see how much of our life was good. That's the part that doesn't burn up. And how much of our life was good for nothing. Which I'm afraid. A lot. In fact, it says in 1 Corinthians 13, that's part of why the Lord wipes away all tears. In 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15, it says some people are going to suffer loss. In other words, when they dump their cart in, almost everything they lived for their whole life, I mean, they were the best car remodeler, and they were the best golfer, and they were the best whatever, and they got every award, and they traveled the whole world, and they had the largest Facebook page and more friends, you know, uh, you know on Instagram than anybody else, but they didn't live for the glory of God. They lived for themselves. And all that burns up. And it says that they are going to suffer loss. Not loss of salvation. Loss of having anything left from your precious earthly life. Did you know the C.T. Studd, the great missionary, says only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. The sooner that that sinks in, uh, it changes your life. 